Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Austin's all sports leader, the, the, the Horn. Indeed you do wake up to Ian Rod B. every morning. It's Austin's only morning sports conversation you're going to find on AM 1260, 101.9 FM, and, of course, streaming on the Horn app on hornfm.com, on our Twitch channel, our YouTube channel blowing up as well. Appreciate you becoming a subscriber there of our YouTube channel uh, for the Horn. Uh, again, the only sports morning conversation I mentioned in my straight music message there, Rod, that, yes, Phil Mickelson would have lost $400,000 on the U.S. Ryder Cup team yeah. in 2012. See? Phil's got a problem. You know, Billy Billy Walters refused to uh, put that bet down, according to a new book coming out, because the optics were bad. And I believe now that I refresh my memory, 2012 was at Medina, and they blew the big lead. They had a huge – like a, Europe had to win all the singles matches at the end to come back and beat them by a, a single point uh, okay. and take the Ryder Cup. <laughs> And you can imagine if, if Mickelson had nearly five hundred grand on that and they blew it, <laughs> they how blew mad it. he would be at everybody. <laughs> yeah. We thought him throwing a temper tantrum out there on the course. Hey, he what's, what's Phil so mad about? <laughs> He's just a competitor, guys. He just hates to lose. <laughs> what's what's he so angry for? Uh, there we go. But we've talked a lot of football this morning as well. Rod's taking us behind the burn orange curtain a couple of times, talking Texas football, hearing from Steve Sarkeesian. Twenty three days. Twenty three. To the start of the Longhorn football season. Yeah. That means fast approaching. That means three, two, three weeks from Saturday. Put the pads on already. That's They're how in. you know they are in. Um, yeah, God, like that was a that was a Ryder Cup team that included Tiger Woods, Bubba Watson, Jason Duffner, Keegan Bradley, uh, Matt Kuchar, Phil Mickelson was on that team and they blew it. So they were favorite. I'm, I'm assuming that <laughs> they were the favorite in the matchup in the Ryder Cup. The t- they were the favorite. Yes. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that was a baby. Rory McIlroy was on the uh, the European team, but Sergio Garcia. Yeah, and they came all the way back and beat him, and Phil would have lost himself 400 k Thank you, Billy Walton. Mm. <laughs> I if he and he t- bet on all sports, too. That's what he said in the book, but allegedly, that he bets on everything. Oh, he's a gambler. That everything. Everything. Doesn't matter. It's not just golf. It's everything. NASCAR, football. And that was the other thing that— uh, might have a problem. Might have a problem. Have that a problem. was like when he took the live money, and he was the first big name, and he helped spearhead that whole thing with the, with the Saudi Royal Fund, right, the PIF. And Phil was— there were a lot of people thought he he wanted that paycheck to help. That was one of the uh, conspiracy things. theories out there, and this, <laughs> this book, book would will... back up some of those conspiracy theories. Uh, yes. Hey, uh, in addition to Texas football, we got the Astros looking for a sweep in Baltimore Go today. Throw! Yeah, they beat them late to two last night. Astros are showing the Orioles. We talked about that going into the series. Experience, you know mm-hmm. that 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 grand slam was such a right cross to the Orioles on for, on Tuesday night from Kyle Tucker. They beat them last night eight to two. And uh, the Astros have a chance to send a message there. They're still two back of the Rangers who got shut out in Oakland. Also, we've got the latest on conference realignment with the ACC presidents meeting last night. No decision made. And it sounds like there's there's they don't have the votes yet. They need 12 of the 15, which would include Notre Dame, to make a run at Stanford and Cal. Uh, there's objections, but at the same time, doesn't mean it's over. Uh, no, I mean, cause especially if Notre Dame is supporting the— inter- Notre Dame is in a proponent. Yes, if, if they're an advocate of Stanford and Cal getting in, and they carry a lot of weight. So I know they're not a full-fledged member of the ACC, but they still got a lot. They carry a lot of weight. And the ACC, they need to do something. They do. Because if they if they continue down, you know, kind of the stand pat status quo, continue down this path, there's— 
a high likelihood that one of the teams there, whether it's Florida State, or maybe it's a Clemson, that they are so disgruntled that they try to break that grant of rights. Now, whether they can do it or not, it's a different discussion. But then if they do, you might start a, you know, a kind of a chain reaction of events that ends up leading to you being a weakened version of yourself. So if I was the ACC, I'd be trying to make a move, bring in some other teams. That way maybe you can go to the broadcast uh, networks. You can go to the TV networks and say, hey, we are now a a broader you know, footprint as a conference. We have more markets that we can you know, obviously present to you and try to rework the deal to get a more. bigger revenue share. Right, and we'll see if ESPN wants to go for that. Now, Notre Dame pushing for Stanford and Cal, maybe even SMU, as we talked about. SMU said, basically said, we come in, we don't have to pay us anything. Pay us what we're making in the American Athletic Conference, and we're good. Which is what, Ty said, $7 million a year? Yeah, we just want we just want in the conference. That's we pennies. want to be a part of the deal yeah. and be in the big big 67 that are playing at the the Power five power 4 level, as it would be. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, where that goes, and, and they're you know they they've got to make those calls in the Atlantic Coast Conference. But to, you know if you want to look at the raw numbers, I think right now all ACC teams share just under forty million dollars annual in media rights. That ain't bad. Last year, but but starting next year in twenty twenty four, that will stay at just under forty million. We know the SEC is going to seventy seventy five million per school, and the Big Ten is jumping up between ninety and a hundred million per school. <laughs> so the ACC is saying, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa!" Ninety and a hundred million. <laughs> the, yeah, exactly. And my my sentiments exactly. And that's, that, that's, the, that's the Fox <laughs> that's impact, a, right? That's the Fox it's, deal. To buy that the bar- is crazy. Yeah, I can't believe that. And the SEC, you know, that is I. That's the most competitive of the college football brands, but. When you're talking about markets and market share and, you know. Well, when you're sitting in front of TV executives and they're looking at, you know, media population and yeah. media markets. The Big Ten. Big Ten now has New York, L.A., and Chicago, yeah. one, two, and three. And some would argue, well, I think the fifth media market is Philadelphia. I mean, Philadelphia, Penn State, uh, that they, they do well there with the, you know, what goes on, what, Penn State, um, you know, Maryland is now mm-hmm. in the Big Ten. They consider all that East Coast because of the population size and the market size. But we all know as college football fans, they ain't watching a lot of college football up right. there. <laughs> but, but they do but, have, and yeah. this is why the Big Ten Network has thrived. They got the numbers. The Big Ten Network has made so – because they do have a lot of viewers. Because the other thing about the schools in the Big Ten is they're all huge enrollments. So you have these huge alumni bases mm-hmm. that went to Penn State, and they went to Ohio State, and they went to Michigan. That is true. And they're going to watch their team. They're, that's all they care about. They don't care about the rest of it. They care about Wisconsin. Uh, now you're adding USC and UCLA, so that's people say, well, how are they going to get? How do they get ninety or hundred million? That's because that's what the TV value is uh, for them, uh, and so, that's why the USC UCLA was such a big play for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, if you look at the SEC, yes, it's the most, it's the best football, best competitive, most competitive league, biggest, best games, best mm-hmm. matchups, but their biggest media market is Atlanta, right? You got Atlanta, yeah. Austin now in. I guess you could say Houston is there with with A and M. Uh, which is why getting A and M was huge. Now adding Texas becomes huge because you now add that that triangle of, of yeah. population that you're talking about in recruiting: mm-hmm. Dallas, Houston, San Antonio, Austin. Well, now you're bringing Texas and Texas A and M. That's why the big the SEC is going to be 70, 80, 80 million on the on the annual, and uh, the ACC all in the Eastern Time Zone. Does, does what that, the fact that you have Notre Dame, which is in the Midwest. By the way, do you know South Bend, Indiana, is right on the line? Oh, is it South Bend? Yeah, there's a point in South Bend, or right there between South Bend and Gary. Somebody will tell me exactly where it is. That in Indiana, that's where it goes from Eastern Time Zone to West. 
Wow. Like you can you can get go you can step across it, <laughs> yeah, go back yeah, yeah. travel yeah. time travel through time yeah, basically. It's right there in South Bend. <laughs> Pretty cool. Uh, in that area, general geography lesson. Nice. Uh, so yeah, two of those today. Pretty good. Yeah. Well, so if you consider Notre Dame, because Notre Dame is a huge Chicago market, right? Huge Chicago, and so you you that's number three on the list. If you're doing ACC, that should help. Uh, with Notre Dame at the table, and if you could add the West Coast, Stanford and Cal, which is you know San Francisco and uh, Northern California, you know, and then if if they were going to take the SMU idea and and bring SMU, that's the DFW, which again they're coming for nothing. They're and, and yeah, because their donors, I believe, said they're willing to pay upwards of two hundred million, two hundred million dollars to support them while they wait out yes. this uh, revenue sharing deal. That's from SMU side of it. Yeah. That their their wealthy own their wealthy donors would. Help, you know, bridge the gap. Yep. And again, uh, the the reports are that Cal and Stanford are willing to take half shares because it's a lot better than they're getting in the ACC yeah. and in, in the whatever the Pac-12 will be. Well, they know their value. They're they're realistic about their value in this new real realignment landscape. <laughs> they're, they're, well, that determines your value a lot of the times. So you're desperate, and they know you're desperate. It's like, yeah, we'll bring you in, but we're only going to pay you a, a percentage of the share. All right, let's get into some NFL football too, Rod, because we will get another uh, Rod's rant coming up at the uh, at the bottom of the hour. Actually, no, we're going to get uh, our, our number uh, seventeen team in our countdown. Oh, that's right. All right. Oh yeah, we haven't reviewed. Or do you want to do the rant here? I'm surprised. Or do you want to do NFL? Let's do NFL. Because here's Should what we be. have: we got NFL starting pre well preseasons. Want to be <laughs> you since you played in the NFL for how many years? What six, seven? Well, I got about five and a half, so five close to six. You yeah. vested. Yeah, well, I did, actually. Nice they changed ride. it when I was in the league, so it's good, yeah. Where'd it go? Well, preseason games, what do, what do we get out of these? You're watching well, guys, guys like Rod B needed them. Yeah, you loved preseason. Rod B, jabronis <laughs> like Rod B. I, and I was all about the preseason. This is how I actually made a team. Guys who are second contract guys and guys who are drafted you know, high up and have made you know multiple teams or veterans, true professionals, they don't really worry about the preseason, and they don't have to anymore because they don't play much. If they do play, as you know, series, a maybe point. a series or two. But for guys like me who are just trying to make teams, by the way, which is most of the NFL, <laughs> 70%, 75% of the NFL are guys like me. You're going to end up with four or five-year careers just trying to make a damn team that year. That's most of the NFL. And now you got fewer preseason games. Three now. All right, to actually make that happen. So I know y'all get bored with preseason. And you're thinking, oh, this is some terrible football. Yes, it is the rough draft. All right, of the season. So any rough draft is going to be just that. It's going to be rough. Um, but also it is crucial for the, I would say, the bottom of your roster, uh, not your frontline guys who are paid the big money, but the bottom of your roster for those guys to prove themselves. Even if they don't make that team, you get cut a lot of times. And trust me, I got cut a lot. <laughs> you get cut, and then the film that you had in preseason or the team you played against in preseason that liked you and thought you were a good player, they'll pick you up. Yeah. And now they've expanded the practice squads. Practice squads now have been expanded, so you can put more players on a practice squad, and you can have older veteran players now on the practice squad. So that also makes the preseason a lot more important because these are a lot of guys that may be developmental projects for teams, too, and they'll just put them on the practice squad and let them sit there for a while. And you're right. You're not just playing for your team. You're playing for every team Bro, that's, you, that's paying yeah, attention. Better get out there and get that Because they all film. have scouting staffs, yes. Yep. Uh, so Houston, New England tonight, Minnesota, Seattle should be intriguing. I think both of those games are on NFL Network if you're looking for them. Texans with the debut of C.J. Stroud, the D'Amico Ryans era underway mm-hmm. in New England. I like it. Minnesota, Seattle, that's uh, you know a couple of playoff teams from a year ago. Minnesota is the most interesting one, though, because – 
they it, there's a lot of uh, talk about how they got to 13 wins last year. Remember, they they lost that playoff game to the Giants. But and you probably heard this, they set our NFL record for uh, fourth quarter comebacks. I said they tied the record, but they basically tied the NFL record for fourth quarter comebacks last year. They had 11 one-score games. They won 11 one-score games, which is also an NFL record. So 11 of their 13 wins were one-score wins, and eight of those 11 one-score games uh, ended up as fourth-quarter comebacks. So, we, and by the way, give Kirk Cousins a lot of credit because people had a, I don't know, that was a perception of him, a reputation he had that he wasn't clutch. Well, they were certainly clutch last season. One of the most clutch teams in the NFL. That game at Buffalo is still one, maybe the best game of all of last year when they. The, the, oh yeah, they were down. The, yes, right. They had that big comeback. Crazy I, game. Yeah, um, and they're the first team in NFL history to ever win thirteen games and have a negative play differential. Uh, so point, point differential, point differential, point differential, play differential. Point remember, differential. they got smashed by the point Eagles when they played the Eagles in the regular point season. They got smashed by the uh, Cowboys. Yes. Those two teams just humiliated them. But then, yes, everything else was close for them. A lot of people think Minnesota kind of regresses. The one thing that won't regress is Justin Jefferson. That dude had 128 catches last year. 128 catches. That's why he's going first overall in a lot of fantasy football. Y'all remember when the Colts were up 33 points against Minnesota last year and lost? That was our man Jeff Saturday Mm -hmm. coaching his way. 33. And they lost. Zero at halftime. Was that his first game coaching? Uh, no. That was one of the early games. Yeah. But, uh, hey, yeah. you won the first game he coached. So okay. not, not only did Justin Jefferson have 128 catches last year, in his last two seasons, Justin Jefferson out of LSU has 236 catches in the last two years. And, and now they got touchdowns. Jordan Addison to yeah. add to it. Guy's unbelievable. As another weapon for And remember Minnesota. when the Philadelphia Eagles passed on him to take Jalen Rager out of TCU? TCU. Oh, dang. Who's out of the league? Is he still He's somewhere? Oh. He might be back with Minnesota, like returning punts or something. Yeah, you think he right might be. About that. Yeah, but that's uh, that, that's was a, a, that was a Dane coaching mistake on that. That one. was. Can you imagine the Eagles if they had him? Obviously, they wouldn't have drafted Devonte Smith at that point when they when they did. But yeah, the Cowboys are happy that they didn't take him. I know that. Uh, so yeah, that's the other game tonight: Houston and New England, Minnesota, oh, yeah. Seattle. Right. He's with Minnesota, Jalen Rager. Well, let me ask you this real quick, and then I want to I want to <laughs> play this Mark Schlereth sound. If um, if Minnesota might regress from a 13-win team, can Seattle build on a, a surprising year last year with Geno Smith? They also had another great draft this year, they think. They've got Jackson Smith and Jigba. They also drafted the top corner in the draft, the kid Witherspoon out of mm-hmm. Illinois. And remember, they had the best draft last year. They had they had more rookies play the most snaps of any team in football last year, and they yeah. made the playoffs. Yeah. No, they, right. Other than that Jets rookie class, I mean, Seattle probably had the best rookie class, period, overall. And they've drafted well. Um, the last couple of last few years, actually, they've been drafting really well. And if Geno Smith can play anything close to what he played like last year, now he's got extra weapons. Now, in addition to DK Metcalf, now Tyler, just, Lockett. Tyler Lockett, and they just drafted Jackson Smith and Jigba. They're and loaded. They can, and they can hand it to the kid. Uh, Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker. They got, they and got they, another one. And they drafted the kid from UCLA, yeah. Zach Charbonneau. Yeah, that's what they got they got a mo- multiple backs. Honestly, Seattle and that defense, I think, is going to be pretty good. Niners think, are obviously the favorite in the division. You don't got to worry about Arizona. They're out of it. They got yeah, no shot. The, the Rams top. are struggling. They're turning over the bottom of that roster. They got a lot of young guys on that roster because they were in salary Seattle cap hell. And, and San Francisco head to head for that San Fran. No doubt. Be interested in seeing that tonight. It is preseason football after all, but it's football. Uh, then how about tomorrow night? Uh, you got a whole slew of games on Friday night. That includes 
the Falcons and the Dolphins. That would be Bijan Robinson's first chance to hit the practice, hit the the field. Of course, the Dolphins can't wait, can't wait. That's tomorrow oh. night. I uh, got the Bengals and the uh, Packers. We get Jordan Love to debut there with Joe Burrow not playing. Uh, Giants in Detroit tomorrow night. Yeah, you know, watching Jordan Love, that's going to be interesting too. I, I can't wait to see. A lot of we, pressure on that. Young we don't man. know anything about yeah Jordan Love's development. They've nope. been really cryptic. And you haven't seen a lot of highlights. You, know, you usually see practice highlights all the time. Haven't seen a lot of that. Haven't been a ton of reports about how he's doing, if he's throwing a lot of picks. And so I can't wait to see Jordan Love now that the team is his because that will determine whether the Packers decide to tank or if they actually decide they're going to you know, hand off the torch to the next great quarterback. Having two Hall of Fame quarterbacks in a row and then having a third Very have hard. to follow those yeah. guys. That's really tough on a young Your man. Your rule of threes earlier this uh, yeah, this man. week is it's tough to have three. They went far to, to Rodgers and now Jordan Love. But last year it was Seattle who was kind of left for dead when Russell Wilson ended up and they traded him to Detroit, to Denver. Denver had the bad year. Seattle was in the playoffs. So we'll see with Jordan Love. Packers still have a very good defense. Still got good two good running backs with Aaron Jones and the big guy A.J. Dillon. Uh, we'll see, but obviously it's about Jordan Love, whether they're going to impress or regress in a bad, bad way in that division where Detroit is the odds favorite to win the division. Times they are changing. Come the on, Detroit man. Lions, top five offense in the NFL last year, which is which should be better, actually, because you're adding some pieces and Jared to it. Jameer Gibbs, yeah. And, and the defense, they, they, they basically devoted their offseason to fixing the defense. They did. They did. And, uh, you know, Aiden Hutchinson coming off the edge now. They've tried to improve their secondary. I'm picking Detroit in that division. That's weird. And Dan Campbell's embracing, the, inv- embracing the, the expectations. Says it's great. You know, shoot it into my veins. Bring me the expectations. We're I ready mean, to go. And, you, I mean, I remember us mocking Dan Campbell because coaches like that usually – they they don't have success Seems in the like, NFL. He's way right. He's yeah. a caricature of a coach, really. And we saw him on Hard Knocks last year. He's he comes off as a meathead sometimes, but he also when you hear him and watch him on Hard Knocks, you know, he's a Bill Parcells, Sean Payton disciple. Yep, he's exactly hard right. nosed. Yep, he's very emotional but, though. But he's a players coach. He's like, a he played coach. the game for a long time, he's, so he can relate to the players in a really connected way. But he also knows you got to you got to put your foot up their butt when they need it. You know, he, what I mean? he wants to win. It's a great point. He wants to win with like brute force and intimidation and physicality. Usually these days, you're trying to win with precision and, and accuracy and and the throwing game and spread offense. He's not he's kind of old school in that way. He is, but yeah. then his offense is pretty dynamic, right? They they open it up and they get after it. Ben Johnson, the OC, he's a, he's Look, he's one of the best. Yeah, one of the, he'll be a head coach here shortly out yes. of Detroit. So Agreed. looking forward to that team. That'll be they'll be playing the Giants on Friday night. So we'll preview those Friday games more tomorrow tonight. We've got the two with Houston and uh, New England, Minnesota, Seattle. Obviously, the running back conversation has been the conversation of the offseason or one of the biggest. You know, the running backs doing the Zoom call to try to how come our market value is down. Dalvin Cook still doesn't have a job. Zeke Elliott's still on side. Kareem Hunt's on side. The Josh mm-hmm. Jacobs story has no resolution with Vegas yet. Uh, we know it is the – I mean, talk about Minnesota, right? They gave up on Dalvin Cook so yep. they could put Antonio Madison uh, in as their, their lead running back, or Alexander mm-hmm. Madison as their lead back. So yesterday here on the horn, Rich Eisen. We now have the Rich Eisen program between two and five every day. Really good show. He had Mark Schlereth on the show. Mark Schlereth, of course, won Super Bowls on the offensive line with the Denver Broncos. He was in Washington. He used to be at ESPN. And uh, he was asked his opinion on these running backs trying to unite. And uh, doesn't sound like Mark Schlereth has too much sympathy for them. Become more of, as you know, a running back by committee, more of a specialization of that running back position. And frankly... I don't have a lot of sympathy. Um, you know what? You signed the collective bargaining agreement. The, you 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 gave the franchise tag. You did. A, you you negotiate things like 
uh, less practice time. And, um, you know, you negotiate stupid stuff. That's, I mean, hey, I'm, I'm part of that. I'm guilty, right? I was a player, too. So I understand it. You negotiate stupid stuff. They know you're going to negotiate stupid stuff. It doesn't really matter. Um, and that's your own fault. And as far as, you know, the, the running backs, you know, having a stupid Zoom meeting and all, complaining and whining about it, it is what it is. That's the market. And that's how market economics work. So quit complaining about it. I don't remember any of the star running backs at the time standing up on their podiums uh, complaining about how unfair it is that the fullbacks were becoming extinct as long as they were getting there. So, like, I don't really want to hear it. It's, it's the market. Take the money that's available to you. Go out there and play great. I, you know, whatever. I, it just, I don't have any sympathy, empathy, any of the, uh, any of the fees. Like, none of the fees bother me. Like, I, I, don't, I don't care. <laughs> Mark Slareth. <laughs> His interesting point there about the fullbacks. Yeah, they weren't, like, crying for the lead fullback, which is extinct now. And which is actually one of their like, backfield mates. Like, yeah. They know fullbacks. They, they block for them. Every team used to have a lead fullback. Every team and, of 32. And I want to say half teams don't even have a fullback on the roster. Yeah, like you're, you're, you're uh, Shano's Niners. Shano, he's one of them, but mo- I think, uh, close to like a third or half the teams don't even list one on the roster, like H-backs or tight ends, something Did like that. Did we have a fullback Zoom meeting? <laughs> yeah, no, but he's right. Nobody said anything about it. And he's an, he's an interior offensive lineman, and the truth is he probably knows about this fact that actually center, if, you look, if you're doing the numbers and the math, center is probably the most underpaid, undervalued position in the NFL considering – how much like physical contact they have to deal with. We talk about running backs being worn down. You can't say that running backs are worn down more than play. centers. Exactly. And they're more important because they are snapping the ball directly to the quarterback. Like You need a center just to make the play function. So I don't know. You can throw it out there. The center may be the most underpaid, undervalued position. If you look at uh, the, like, the 26 free agents that were available um, at like the peak of in NFL free agency, the top twenty six free agents, man, basically none of those guys were the, the centers got to a ten million dollar uh, contract or a ten million dollar even valuation. All of the numbers say center probably is the most underpaid position, but running back is also in that conversation. Interesting, great stuff yeah. with uh, Mark Slareth. Little NFL tonight, Texans and. Uh... The, the Stroud control, they're calling it. C.J. Stroud. The Stroud control? Stroud control. <laughs> Stroud control. That was your, uh, your dad joke? Your yeah, punny my dad, dad joke. joke. My punny dad joke. That'll uh, be tonight with the uh, the C.J. Stroud. How, how many series does he play? Maybe one or two. Just want to see some some good, crisp offense out of Houston playing Daniel a very good New England Davis team. Mills. You have, is Case Keenum there too now? Yes, he is. Case so Keenum. I wonder if you'll get Case Keenum or Davis Mills first. Which one? All right. Before you'll we get. get to the timeout, and then we'll hit number 17 in our countdown to number one coming back. I have to concede... And we'll pick this up in our NFL conversation beyond this. But Ty and I had a debate when training camp started that Trey Lance would be the backup of the 49ers. Look like Trey Lance may not make that team. Oh, because Brock Purdy's the starter. Because Brock Purdy is healthy and taking all the reps. He's and the Sam and that Sam Darnold is right now outperforming Trey Lance. Yeah, but they're so invested in Trey I know. Lance. They I know. have to get something in return That's for That's going to be all time. That might be a bigger bust than Jamarcus Russell, just for what they gave up. Yeah, yeah that's why, that's why they got to get, they gotta get something in return for him. They gave up way too much not to get anything. They tried, though. Which is these games are going to be big for him. He needs to play. And he, he needs, needs to, to showcase good. that people want him. He needs to look good. Because it seems like right now he's running third. 
which I thought going into camp exactly like you did, that Trey Lance, they're going to, why don't you use him as, you know, feature him in the red zone, feature him in goal Do line something. situations, use him. You've given up too much to get him. But, you know, then with the last pick of the draft last year, you got Brock Purdy, who's your quarterback. And, uh, you know, Sam Darnold is a capable backup. But, yes, and when I say not make that team, he may not be on that team because they may trade him. And, they need to, but yeah. then if you trade him, who are you trading him to? I'm trying to think of teams. I have a team. You got a team? We come back. I'll give it to you before we go to our okay. top 20 countdown. Right. Uh, also, have another Roz rant of the day. We'll get more Texas football talk, a Colin Simmons update. He is the uh, big-time prospect out of Duncanville High. He's got a choice to make it 2 o'clock today. It's E and Rod B. Ty as well. You're on the horn. Rod B. Mornings on the Horn. It is Ian Rod B. We'll get back to some of those NFL games. We'll be keeping our eyes on somebody mentioned and asked where those games can be seen. NFL Network tonight, I believe. And uh, I don't know if oh, the yeah. Texans have a local. Because remember, Deal. one of the things that the NFL owners love about the preseason is they can sell, sell their, their local rights, rights yeah. and make money. Um, and, of course, in Houston, it'll be somewhere in Dallas. Jerry Jones will sell it to one of the affiliates, and they, they make that because everything else comes out of the Once they hit the regular season, that's all part of the big pot of TV revenue money uh, from the TV partners. But the, the preseason games are for the owners to keep, right? And uh, players don't get paid. Players no, don't they get gotta, per diem. You get per diem. you got to make the team to get paid. And you don't get a game check until the game starts, <laughs> yeah. the real game. So the owners are – players are always talking about that. Well, well, you guys are cashing in with ticket sales and TV deals, and we're not even getting paid. Getting per diem. Hey, it's the the audition. Yeah, yeah, audition. Which is why the, the, the. By the way, that's the the always follow the dollar. That's the reason the owners fought for giving up one of those playoff game or preseason games. Yeah. Uh, they but made when money. they when they added the seventeenth, then they were willing to give up one of them. Yeah, they're not going to give up a rev, a source of revenue unless they get another one, yeah. a bigger one, yeah. which they do yeah. <laughs> with that extra game. <laughs> that extra oh game. no, they're they're the billionaires' boys' club for a reason, man. They know what they're doing. They you damn right. Hey, uh, it's also college football time, 23 days to the Longhorn opener. That means three weeks from Saturday. Two weeks from Saturday is the first of the college football games of any kind. Um, what's that? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, so, but, but, And our pick at number 17 is uh, – we'll play their fight song here coming up. But they were one of the great surprises of all of last year. Might have been the biggest surprise of last year. And they're going to – I think without a doubt. And they were <laughs> – uh, a, a a fun team to watch last year. If you're, do we have this there, Ty? Let's hit it. Number seventeen in our countdown. A lot of purple. Purple kryptonite. That is the fight song of the TCU Horn Frogs. It's if you're not spunky. aware, this is a spunky that fight up. song. You like that? It's not bad. I don't think TCU. I've ever even paid attention to their fight song before. Rah, rah, TCU. They're probably my least favorite team in the Big 12. Least favorite. Of the new Big 12, too? Besides Oklahoma. Where's our guy Johnny Rogers, man? Johnny, (laughs) That's part of the reason. That's part of the reason. Never stop talking about him. Where's Craig Flower? We have a lot of TCU friends. I'll be with with Craig Flowers tonight at the Round Rock game. Hey. I think Craig Flowers' daughter is singing the national anthem. Is that correct? Is that real? Wow. Mm -hmm. Craig Flowers has three daughters, and one of them will sing the national anthem. A talented bloodline, doesn't he? They're very talented. Um, but the TCU thing, what I liked last year that they did was really cool. The hypno-toed was pretty bad. That was awesome. They is, it, it. is that Look, badass, Really? Though? Dude, it's the coolest. It's, it's unofficial. so annoying. Oh, it's annoying because you're not a fan of TCU. They caught a heater last year. There's no really? doubt about that. It's... The girl, they, uh, yeah, I, I, I can't deal with the. I was that you hate. I, it. I can tell you got a, you have a special disdain for it. But well, I think if you're a TCU fan, it was cool that they came with the hypno toad. It's part of their secret toad. mojo. 
Yeah, well, I like unofficial mascots, and Hypnotoe was an unofficial mascot. Just like John Wick's going to be Texas' unofficial mascot this year. Boom. Take that. Well, is it fair to say that TCU, we'll recap what they did a year ago, where they're going now is the big question. We have them at number 17. A lot of t- players to replace, but they, they're going to play the game that will be most watched week one. Versus Colorado? Colorado. The yes. Deion Sanders I'm debut. Watching, I, we, I, I can't wait. I can't wait. And if, even if Deion, and some people are saying he's going to get blown out, I think the number right now has TCU close to three, a three-touchdown favorite. Yes. Somewhere around there. So it may That's not a be a great big game. Number. That's a big number. It'll be watched, though, because if you want to watch it, if Deion's blown out, you still got to watch it to see how Deion responds to being blown out. If Deion's competitive, you're going to watch it because Deion's going to be competitive. But either way, you're going to watch that game. That I, game's going to have high rate. It's going to have some really high ratings. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Yep. Uh, and yeah, the the rest of the slate, there's some pretty good games. We'll run downs, but for, but for TCU, here's one thing you have to say: last year was a pretty magical run for them, right? I mean, they 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 beat Colorado to start the year, but in that game, their quarterback got hurt. Yeah, the starting Chandler quarterback Morris was Chandler Morris. Yeah, and they're thinking, oh geez, they turn to Max Duggan, and all Max Duggan does is go to you know be a runner up for the Heisman Trophy, from injury to the Heisman almost. Uh, they blasted Tarleton. They beat SMU in a good game in the in the battle for the skillet there, the frying pan. Then they beat Oklahoma, and that was the, that was the game that started their run where they would win the game and they, they would injure the starting quarterback of the opponent opposing team. Yeah, I remember, remember this. this? Yep, did it like three or four games in SMU's a row. SMU's quarterback got hurt. Mm-hmm. Then they played Oklahoma, and Dylan Gabriel got decapitated on a cheap shot. Yep, and they you know Oklahoma's defense was so bad they won that game fifty five to twenty four. Never close. But then they went on this run of really close games that they survived, right? I mean, they, they, they beat Kansas by a touchdown in a game that Jalen Daniels, their quarterback, got hurt. got hurt. Beat them 38-31. Then they beat Oklahoma State in overtime, two of them, 43-40, in a game that Spencer Sanders got hurt in and left the game, if you Crazy remember. run. K-State, 38-28. West Virginia, 41-31. They had to come from behind to do that. It happened again, though, the quarterback thing, right? Quarterback got hurt. <laughs> yeah. And then we know that they came in here and beat Texas. They beat Texas Tech by ten. Then, of course, remember the Baylor game where they had to come all the way back in the fourth quarter. That was a that was one of the best games of, of the year. Yeah. It really was a great and game. And kicked the field goal. Now again, oh. all these things and said. They, yeah, last second they got out there to kick the field goal, right? Without was, a timeout, it was, pre, it was like precise execution because they got it down to the very last millisecond. And then they beat case. They lost to K State in the Big Twelve title game. We know in that play at the goal line where they should have run Max Duggan on a quarterback sneak, and they Ooh. got stuffed. Pretty amazing that each of the last two years the Big Ten, Big Twelve championship game has come down to a goal line stand yeah. for the champion. Yeah, really cool. K State did different it. teams too. Yeah, Baylor did it the yeah. year before, and so they lost that game. But they, gosh, if they get their, their better play call there, they probably win that game. Then of course we know the Michigan game and the the Fiesta Bowl was as exciting a game as was was played last year. Fifty one forty five. Um, the back-and-forth nature of that game. That was a, an awesome game. And then we know it ended with a smashing at the hands of Georgia. But, man, a magical, magical season. You realize with it, with TCU, our number 17 team, Rod, in the second half of that game against uh, Michigan, second half, the two teams combined to score 69 points. That's great. In the second half. BK would appreciate that. Nice. Nice. <laughs> uh, but no, that's, I, I remember that game. That, was a, that really was a phenomenal. That, that's exactly what you want from your college football playoff well, like semifinals. When you see the score and you realize that that game was 14 to 13 at half, and then you see the final score being 51 to 45, like, oh, it must have gone overtime. Yeah. Bo- yeah. <laughs> and, you know, both of those semis were awesome. 
Awesome. It was great. Oh, two best. That, that might have been the, the two best semis we've had. That was it, the best semifinal day of the of the Final Four era. Yeah, it, it was it really was good. Incredible. Yeah, uh, but getting back to TCU this can, year, my question is: Can they maintain that? Was that good fortune or that good coaching? A little bit of both. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both, and I think this year you're going to see you know uh, Sunny uh, uh, Sunny Dykes try to replicate that in a lot of ways. Now they will have their starting quarterback from last year, technically. Max Duggan led them to a national title appearance, but the the guy who won the starting quarterback job, Chandler Morris, is back. He originally won the job, and he is back. And and hopefully, you know, the reason that he won the job, uh, hopefully that is something that materializes with them. They did get some crucial transfers in. Um, they returned just 11 starters from that TCU team last year. Um, they do return. They do get some crucial acquisitions via the transfer portal. Uh, they got uh, JoJo Earl. Yeah, from um, gotcha, Alabama, right? Yeah. So he's come in uh, as a part of the receiving core. That is kind of a, that's a huge acquisition right there because Quentin Johnston, remember, he leave, he's never, now a member of the uh, the L.A. Chargers. They need something to bolster their receiving core. Uh, they also got some acquisitions uh, on offense at the running back positions. It's Trey Sanders, I believe is his name. He's, he's a five-star also, recruit. Also from Alabama. Yeah, five-star recruit, and you know they bring him in. So they got some reinforcements offensively. They need those guys to contribute right away, though. And remember, Jared Wiley actually may be considered who's from Texas, maybe considered one of the best tight ends in the Big 12. Yeah, he might. Behind J.T. Sanders. J.T. Sanders. Yeah. Uh, and he, he was one of their representatives at Media Day. Yeah, they really like him. They and like Jared Wiley, the former is, he, Temple quarterback. And yes, uh, yeah, and he is also, he's, theor, people people theorize that he may have been the one, speculate that he may have been the one to um, share information and signals about Texas's offense. And remember, Ooh. there was concerns that Texas opponents may have known some of their signs and signals, and uh, he may have been the one that shared some of that. That's just the allegation, that he may have been the one to share it, because yes. he did know it. Well, that's shame, on, shame on Texas. Exactly. <laughs> that's, a, that's smart by TCU. By the way, they also brought in Tommy Brockermeyer as an Alabama transfer. Uh, the Brockermeyer Oh, brother. man. I forgot all about that. And he's yeah. got to earn a job. I mean, he they, he well, killed look, it in a transfer well, remember, portal. Here's what Sonny Dykes showed me last year. Sonny Dykes can flat coach, right? He's yeah. a good football coach. You don't win all those games. The preparation, the, it was the opposite of Texas. They found ways to win close games, mm-hmm. and they did it because Max Duggan was a veteran. They, they were the most veteran team in the in the conference last year. They found ways to get it done. Uh, any you know, A couple of those losses, all of a sudden, it's a whole different season for mm-hmm. them. But they won every one, and they – I still can't believe they lost that K State game. I mean, ever you know that that was one I thought they should have had, yeah, uh, and won a Big Twelve championship because that's the thing for for TCU as great a season as it was, you didn't win the Big Twelve championship, nor did you win the national. You championship. Didn't win a cha- yeah, so you exactly. didn't get a trophy. It's, the, it's one of the greatest seasons in the history of your program, and you have no championship to show for it. No trophy. Uh, but uh, I'm with you. Though. I like I like Coach Dykes. I like what he's done. He is showing me it's in the last few years that he is evolving as a coach, and what he did when he came into the Big Twelve, he studied the league. And when studying the league, he looked at what are the best and most effective concepts in his league. And that's why he chose the three-high defense. He was like, in that Big 12, the three-high defense works. He went and got him a defensive coordinator that specialized in it, and that's what they ran. Well, and also remember this. For Sonny Dykes, he was at SMU, but he was on the staff with Gary Patterson Mm -hmm. in 2019. So knew a lot of the personnel that was still there when he got this job. Great point. Reconnected with the locker room. And you're right about his evolution at Cal. And by the way, if you go read the, you know, the cover story, Dave Campbell's Texas I read Football it. it's this great. year is written by Mike, Mike Craven, Craven yeah. our guest of earlier this morning. It's he really wrote good. that story. And it's it's the evolution of a coach, right, who at Cal was just all offense, didn't mm-hmm. really focus on the defense, got to SMU, 
you know, and he was, I mean, Sonny Dykes from West Texas in Berkeley, California. That's that's a that's a culture very shock. Different, yeah. <laughs> very different lifestyles. Yeah. Yeah. And he, you know, at Cali developed guys like Davis Love or Davis Love, Davis, uh, Davis Webb. Davis Webb. Jared, Jared Goff. Goff. And the no bear good, raid, the bear raid, and and but the defense was never good enough. Now they beat Texas twice, uh, while he was the coach at Cal, which is still amazing. But so when he got to SMU, he kind of reshaped himself, and he he hit the transfer portal like crazy, and he built SMU into a really good program for that level by you know bringing in Metroplex kids that had gone off to school and and yep. wanted to come back, and he took advantage of the portal in full, you know, full bore. You know, remember when Jake Spavital got the job at Texas State? One of his mentors is Sonny Dykes, and so when he went really portal heavy at Texas State, copying that he model. was kind of kind of copy what mm. Sonny Dykes was doing instead of what down in San Antonio Jeff Trailer was doing, which was recruiting the two one zero, recruiting San yeah. Antonio. Basically, all those what, what did yeah. Mike say? Forty five guys on their roster are from San Antonio. Yeah. They want to stay there. Like no, yeah, I'm, they're all from I'm home. home. <laughs> so there's different ways to skin the cat, as Coach Royal would say. But but you know maybe Spav, who became a good friend, kind of went too far. With the with the not high, recruiting high school players, but for for Sonny Dykes, that's been his mo. Well, he gets to TCU. I don't say there's a ready made roster, but that roster was yeah. Gary Patterson had lost his way as a coach, but he that roster was still filled with some damn good players. And we saw that in, <laughs> in the NFL draft this yeah. past April. Um, yeah. Uh, with and you know Max Duggan did get drafted, but man, at the top, Quentin, Quentin Johnson, Johnson and, and Dylan Bladen. Horton, and that's a lot of good guys. I D. Took, Winters, good players. Yeah, well, Danian Tomlinson's uh, nephew, oh, yes. the yes. cornerback. The cornerback, yeah, he got drafted. Of course, there was a. Uh, so this is the point for TCU: is their best players at every position are now playing in the NFL uh, and playing on Sundays. They have mm-hmm. to replace them. How good can they be? Is seventeen about right for them? Because yeah, they're going to lose some of those games. They won close. But Chandler Morris is back to play quarterback. He's back. And we just talked about the, the acquisitions they got in the transfer portal. Some big-time players. Let's not forget this for TCU. They replaced their offensive coordinator. Uh, Lincoln Riley's brother, Garrett Riley, left to go to Clemson, where he's going to run Clemson's offense this year. They bring in Kendall Bryles. Which, that's not that's not a huge drop-off, man. Kendall Bryles, he can coordinate some offense. And by the way, he loves to coordinate offense against Texas. Oh, he yeah. loves to coordinate to call plays against Texas. And by the way, last time he did, he ate Texas alive with that Arkansas offense. I know that. <laughs> I know that's right. And I played with Kendall Bryles here at Texas. We were in the same DB room. His uh, his origin story is like some out of a comic book villain or something like that. Yeah, well, he hates Texas and he used to be a Longhorn. Kendall Bryles went to Texas. Yeah, yeah. Before transfer, he was a DB in the DB room. He's a he's a member of DBU. He is. He is. I know. I, I think the biggest <laughs> question I have is on the defensive side of the ball. I think their defense has a lot to replace, especially up front. I mean, I mean, behind the guy, the, the up front guys should be pretty good. Johnny Hodges is a great linebacker that they have. Um, he's you know the preseason defensive. Look out for the name Savian Williams. He's a wide receiver. Is he is he on the depth chart that you're looking at? Um, apparently, like he's six foot five. He's supposed to be. Yeah, he's he's number three. Uh, okay. he's a starter for them. Okay, so he's supposed he's six foot five. He's supposed to be. I, get, I a never beast. I never doubt even with Kendall Bryles or Garrett Riley. I think they, they Garrett Riley's really good. I yeah. mean, uh, and he, like his brother Lincoln, but they're going to have talent. And JoJo Earl opposite Savian Williams. They're going to have backs. They're going to have a quarterback that they was the starter last year. Jade Wiley uh, tight end. Amani Bailey is their running back. Defense brings everybody back pretty much up front, but they replace their pretty much their whole linebacker core. The secondary might be the best in the Big Twelve, though. Josh Newton's a hell of a corner. He's Josh damn Newton's good. a great player. He really is, man. Josh He's fantastic. Newton, they, I mean, Josh Newton and uh, 
Paul. Uh, the Clark, Bud Clark is also one of the best safeties in the country, too. Paula Wale is back there as well, the redshirt yeah. freshman. So, yeah, again, I think maybe they said this at the Big 12 media days when they were picked to finish fifth after winning it last, or playing for the championship last year. I think Sonny Dykes has some bulletin board stuff. I think hey, don't sleep on TCU. And remember, Texas has to go to Fort Worth in a huge game in November. Last time you're in the Big 12, too. And like, Sonny's got a little bit of your number. Sonny's never. And so does Kendall. Yeah. Kendall's got a little bit of your number, and Sonny's got a little bit of your number. Am I stupid for thinking they're going to win like five games this year? I would say. I trust uh, Sonny I think too much. I, win team. I trust. I think they're an eight-win football team. I trust Sonny's evolution, like uh, he was talking about, because and I've heard Mike talking about this too, that he was really big into analytics and scheme when he was uh, at Cal. Like analytics, scheme, scheme, analytics, and then when he got to SMU, culture started to matter more. That it, or matter as much. Like, man, I think I get the culture right. Right, I got to get the culture right. The team chemistry that's got to be right. And now he is. Culture matters just as much as scheme and analytics, guys. He's, he's, he's both. He's committed to both equally. And I think you have to be. We just heard Sark say, no, man, culture wins. I got to have my culture. Even Tom Herman used to say, he's like, no, man, I'll take culture every day over scheme and talent. I need culture. It is, it, I'm not saying that one matters more than the other, but they matter just as much. You need both. You need both. You have yeah. to have both. And that, if you go back to his dad, Spike was all about culture and connecting all, with the exactly. locker room and, and connecting and with the players. And not enough of scheme and That's analytics. Correct. That's correct. <laughs> yeah. uh, so I think they're about an eight-win team, and I think their toughest road trips, they got to go to Iowa State. They've got to go to Kansas State in October. They, of course, go to Lubbock uh, early November. That could be interesting. Host Texas. Then they are at Oklahoma to wrap up the regular season. So uh, there's TCU, number 17 in our countdown. We'll be at number 16 tomorrow, and we'll tease it ahead. We're going to stay in the Big 12. Mm-hmm. They'll stay in the Big 12 tomorrow at number 16 on our countdown to number one. It's not the pur- is it Purple Kryptonite? Who knows? It may be. Maybe the other Purple Maybe. Kryptonite. It could we'll be. let you know tomorrow. Uh, so, so far, we're at number 20 with uh, Texas Tech. Then we're at number 19 with UNC, North Carolina, Ole Miss, and now TCU. What say you on the Specs Tech sign? Overrated, underrated at 17 for the Horn Frogs. We're coming back with Who Said That? And now sports. Aaron Hogan. Rod Babers. The only local sports morning show in Central Texas. Austin's all sports leader, The Horn. Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? Who did say that? Who, Who did say that? that? Who said that? Who said that? Um, uh, I'm gonna go first. Go for it, Rod. Who said it? I got to try to guess who is uh, saying what you're gonna play for me. Okay, uh, this is a, uh, a head coach. I'll give you a little clue. It is a college football head coach. Nice. And uh, he's talking about NIL and the um, the tampering that goes on. We know my, my might be the most violated of all the NCAA rules. It's the speeding of NCAA rules. Everybody out there speeds. You probably did it today. You broke that law. Well, that ran a red light this morning. What? Ran a red you, he's going to admit it on air like that? Yeah. I run one almost every morning on this. Yeah, the turn, the left turn, turn here. Right you guys just, oh, why? I, I stop. I treat it as a four-way stop. Because <laughs> there's it's four in the morning and there's no one on the road. See, now, now what if a cop is listening to this, they go just stand there and wait on you guys. I'll see them. <laughs> That's the what? only part about what four in the morning. lights off? Yeah, then I'll get a ticket. Then you're going to get a ticket. See, you, just, you should have told people that on air. You should have just admitted it to me. 
in the in the break. Come yeah, on. Yeah, I think they'll cut me some slack. There's nothing happening. But you're right. See, that's not an unsafe move. I don't like running red lights because I've seen too many terrible things happen when people do that. But in that case, it's a four way stop. It was that. And sometimes, stop, and they give you look, the uh, you listen, know, the you law, know. the, the lawmen and women will give you the leeway to do some things. Not that, but <laughs> at least the speed a little bit. Well, uh, here is the head that head coach uh, in college football talking about tampering the speeding of the NCAA and saying uh, exactly how it's affected his team. You know, people want to talk about what we lost. I mean, we had six to eight players, Andy, that were offered between $150,000 and $500,000 by other schools. And all those guys chose to stay. They stayed. Offered between one hundred and fifty. dollars I don't know who that coach is. I don't know that voice. That is actually Wake Forest head coach Dave Clawson. Ooh. Who's saying that his players were offered anywhere from 100000 to half a million dollars and stayed at Wake Forest. Do we believe him? Do we believe these guys passed up money, half a million dollars to stay well, at Wake Forest? Remember, Sam Hartman, his quarterback, went to Notre Dame. Yeah, he took the money. He took the money. <laughs> <laughs> he took the money. Well, let's not forget the Wake Forest baseball team wasn't shy about throwing money around in the transfer portal. Oh, that's a good point. Got to Omaha and dang near won a college championship. Yeah, that's a good point. You're right. So maybe maybe something special is happening at Wake Forest, but uh, that's a bold claim that guys are passing well, up half a million dollars to stay to play for the well, they, Demon Deacons. They lost their quarterback. Exactly. We know they lost Gavin Holmes. Gavin oh, yeah, Holmes is now at point. Texas. Forgot about that, too. And we know that he got some NIL yeah. money, I'm sure. So I don't know if I believe that. I don't. <laughs> you, 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 you and Ty are a fan of, uh, of 90s hip-hop and the hip-hop culture. Yeah. I pulled this cut for you. You know who this is? I'm sure you're going to know it immediately, but I thought this story was interesting because I didn't know it until I heard it yesterday. The original version of Nothing But a G Thing was made uh, a Boss Gag song. I can't remember the name of the song, but Snoop was actually in jail, and I really wanted this demo done. So he called in, and I taped the receiver of the phone to the mic, Hilarious. and he's in, you can hear jail sounds in the back and everything. He's one, two, that whole thing. So <laughs> that was the original version. I just happened to be at my mom's house going through records, and then I found this Leon Haywood. I want to do something freaky mm-hmm. to you and thought that would make, make a better um, foundation track. So took that back, recorded the track. Snoop got out, and um, we just recorded this song at my house. It was a, a bedroom that I converted into a studio at my house. That's what this, um, the first half of the chronic was And made. what was Snoop like at that time when you guys were doing nothing but a G thing? We were just having fun, man. Really, though? Yeah, that's it. We were just Who's having that, fun. Who said that? You have to push. I mean, I know as Dr. Dre has got to be yep. talking about Snoop. That's awesome that he said it was a jailhouse. It was a jailhouse rap, basically, that he let Snoop flow on the beat from jail. And by the way, that's happened a lot. I mean, there are a lot of artists. Lil Wayne, I think, has done this too. I believe Gucci Mane has done this. A lot of rappers have actually recorded stuff from jail, and they do it over the. They do it like yeah, over the phone. Give it to me. Give it to me there, Ty. All the way. Make sure it is the, the clean, clean version. Because <laughs> I can get ugly real quick. <laughs> Please. My, sure. my mom does a pretty good performance of that song. Oh man, does she, really? she knows every word to like every Snoop Dogg song. It's very, it's very impressive. Your You're mom a doctor. Is so freaking cool. Doctor Dre might be the richest doctor these days. He's a billionaire. Uh, he's in the conversation. Yeah, especially with the Beach by Dre now. He's got. He's moved on from music. Now he's doing all types. What a of, legend. Yeah. Uh, all right, Doctor Dre. The answer. Do you have another one for me? Uh, one. Uh, yeah, we got time for one more. All right, this is actually a Texas football player who's um, being asked about the the expectations for Texas and why things feel different to him. Ooh. He's been there a while, so he knows. 
Here is uh, the, uh, the audio. Really, I don't try to look at all the preseason stuff because I've been here before. I've been here, oh, we're ranked seven, go up against LSU, fall short. Go, oh, we're ranked high, fall short. I just feel like what I look at is the team's just work ethic and how our mindset is. We're not paying attention to the rankings. We're not paying attention to the awards list and stuff like that. We're paying attention to, okay, team run, I'm seeing groups of running backs over here getting in extra arms. I'm seeing QBs work on core. I'm seeing the linebackers, even the younger guys, we're all coming together, working arms together. It's just from the top down, from the older guys to the younger guys, I'm seeing a lot of buy-in, and that's why I truly believe that this team is the one that's going to make that breakthrough this year because we're all working. Wow. He gave you a nice hint because he says LSU. He mentions LSU in 2019. Like he references that. I'm going to guess because I know who who the yeah. program and, made and a lot of people still in the program well, from there. Well, and made available for the because uh, I get those true. emails of who's going to be available uh-huh. with the availabilities, and I think that might be David Benda. Well done. That is David, David Benda, Benda who, who might be your starting linebacker. Yes, there are a lot of people saying that right now he is the leader uh, in the clubhouse to win that. Uh, oppos- Next to Jalen Ford. Yeah, when that starting linebacker spot opposite Jalen Ford. And, you know, Anthony Hill, people like. He has a higher upside, five-star player, one of the best uh, defensive recruits coming out in that class. But right now, I think they want to use him situationally as a pass rusher off the edge. You don't want to put too much on his plate too early. And David Bender, as he just mentioned, Senior. fifth fifth year, right? Yeah, to Cinco Ranch yeah. down in the Katy area. You know, he, along with um, I think a guy like Maurice Blackwell. Mo Mike, Blackwell. Mo Blackwell might be in the player. mix at linebacker. Agree with that. Uh, Jet Bush still mm-hmm. running around. But, yes, obviously Jalen Ford is the cornerstone. And, boy, wouldn't it be great to see a great senior year out of a guy like David Benda, number 33. So, good stuff. That's who said that. Who said that? Who said it? Uh, we had Dr. Dre. We had uh, Coach Clawson there at Wake Forest talking about poaching and tampering. And that's David Benda. I know you can bring pop culture sound. I'm going to bring some new pop culture stuff there next time. I was saying sports related. He's going out to Dr. Dre stuff. That was actually a really cool story. I did not know that. Oh, yeah. I did not know you can hear the jailhouse background sound effects. And filmed in his mom's in the, in a, in a, in in a mom's house. That's clean. Oh, that's great. That's good stuff. Hey, we come back. It will be. Uh, we're going to hear from Joel Klatt. Joel Klatt, his pick for the Longhorns, where he has the Longhorns ranked in the Joel Klatt Top 25. We'll let the uh, Fox Sports commentator weigh in. Also, we'll go behind the burnt orange curtain and get another Rod's rant of the day. Full shizzle. Also, we'll get a, before the end of the show, we'll get a what's popping pick from Ty in there because uh, Ty's 2-1 and one now in his gambling picks. And his mm-hmm. one loss this week was a bad. 